may have uh, heard or read on Twitter that I have this uh, new microphone. It's a new development for me. Um, it's, it's very flashy. I, I'm really proud of it. But uh, getting a new microphone is a bit like uh, you know a, a two-sided uh, issue here because now that I have a microphone that can pick up um, not only my voice, um, you know, with overwhelming clarity, but everything around me. I start uh, becoming more aware of my environment, and when I sat down to record uh, Goo today, I realized um, that there were, well, my house is surrounded by trees, and uh, this appears to be cicada season, um, and, and, and Selena, you didn't know what a, a cicada was, but essentially they're like locusts. I, I'm not quite sure what they look like, but they make this constant sound that's... Beware for your firstborns, everybody. I improvised. I'm going to be honest here. I, I you know, searched high and low around my house um, for a, a potential place to record where uh, I could somehow drown out the, this, this insane uh, bug noise. And so I settled on, of all places, my bedroom closet. Because um, why not? Because why not? Well, it's got a door I can close. So my bed, like where I normally record the podcast in my room, is right next to the window. And there's these cicadas outside. And so I was like, well, I need it to be at least a door's length away. But if I go into the living room, there's more windows there. And those are even closer to the trees. So many So problems, I needed a door huh? that wouldn't take me closer to the cicadas. I had Running to remove Pokemon, my shoes think. and everything from my closet. And I'm actually... Recording in here with my suits, uh, which are the only things left because they're they're a bitch to take off the hangers because they're so heavy. But um, anyway, so I am in my closet right now. Uh, and now we challenge this all the listeners. Goo and testing out my <laughs> brand new microphone at the same time. It, it looks well. like Harry Potter Harry Potter's cupboard under the Ooh, stairs. Harry I mean, Potter. Harry Potter's. The only thing you're missing is Vernon Dursley coming in and going, "No supper for you." Most exciting I'm, intro. Right. Right. <laughs> How Eric found his way to the closet. Welcome, there you welcome go. Welcome to uh, the podcast about closets in fishnet hanging strategically just behind the uh, seat that you're sitting in and oh god yes to everybody that listening that yes I it's right yes it's right there in the photo i was photoing on the i was focusing on the harry listening. potter robes it's in that's... the show notes all right he sent the photo to us over email so i it's in the show notes right now and so you can look at the shirt off of the body eric is very excited about this it looks good i like it it's my closet studio guys I, i'm gonna try and work out a long-term solution for cicadas like uh shotguns or maybe my availability <laughs> on this uh on this episode will be uh based on the migration pattern of sh- cicadas to and from the chicagoland well, area the, the trick about the trees in your yard eric is that you have to taper the branches so the sunlight can reach the lower leaves during the growing season that'll keep the cicadas away really no I made that part up. I was gonna let's say talk, that sounded pretty legit. Let's Zach. introduce uh, our special guest, botanist, everybody. Uh, in an, in a former life. No, I was. Uh, I'm from Botswana. It's it's true. <laughs> uh, Selena, you brought in a. Uh, well, let's say that you brought her in because she's a hypable girl, right? I, I'm talking yeah. about you like you're not here, Laura. Yeah, I'm sorry. I guess you could call me. I, I'll take credit for being a hypable girl. I mean, the email you gave girl. Eric to That's send a, a, a you, Eric was going to send you a photograph that I took of a rap demo on the top of my desk for some reason, and you had him to send it to Laura at Hypable.com. So let's say, for all intents and purposes today, you're a Hypable girl. I'll take it. I'll take it. There, there are far worse it. things that I could be called, so I'll go with that. That's <laughs> true. Well, Eric counts Theon's bedchambers today, because the closet's not full in anyone. How is it? <laughs> oh, it's... um. It's actually quite humid in here. In fact, I wish the cicadas would shut up and go to bed so that I could open the door. It's so strange recording the podcast now, knowing what um, Selena you look like in the face in person. I know what you. I know what you. I know what you look <laughs> like face. As, as like. I wouldn't guys. say so weird. It's, it it's is a, weird. It's an advancement. It pretty it's a weird. step. 
I mean, weird. a weird it has a negative connotation that I don't necessarily agree with. It's different. Can we just say that? It's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Don't you think it's, it's different true. now that you've seen Eric and his, like, all of his dapperness? In his out of the closet? I definitely think so. Yeah. Now, now that Eric's <laughs> back in the closet, I think it's easier to record the show. Right, guys? You wouldn't want yes. to see me right now. <laughs> I've had yeah, to take no, steps was... and improvise so that it's not so hot in here. It's fun to have you on, Laura. We couldn't have Micah because Micah's traveling this weekend. Him and George are out at Home Depot getting supplies for the west wing of his of his home, <laughs> of, of his estate in Long Island. Um, no, I so, love your, your show, guys. I'm like really, really happy to be on it. It's it's cool. I definitely listen to you guys all the time. So thanks for having me. Guys, well, yeah, we have we, a listener. Thank you. I was just going to say we love your show as well, obviously. We do want to make sure that we plug those. So cool. Glad you guys like Who Hype. And like I, said, I think a lot of fantasy people just cross over genres. And I love Game of Owns. I love Doctor Who, all sorts of things. So it's cool to be here. Yeah, I have a I have an abstract obsession for for Doctor Who that ranges deep into my childhood. So it's it's a geek fantasy for to have you on the show. So thank you for coming on. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you want to talk about that Mans Raider shit? Yeah, I absolutely do want to talk about that Mans Raider shit because we. Do- <laughs> We don't usually talk about uh, casting, I guess, really on the show, but we couldn't resist this because, come on, when Aberforth Dumbledore joins Game of Thrones, it's worth talking about. Talk I about think. genre crossover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need, we need a reason to talk about Harry Potter in the show. It's legit this yeah. time, everybody. Do you think they promised him like undead goats, or, or like what what was what was his payment for? Maybe for he coming heard on? wildlings and he got excited. You know. Um, <laughs> We came up with some pretty good puns in the hypable Facebook group about how he was hurting them and other stuff. Oloris, of course. That's terrible, but it makes sense. Yes. So you think him and the Lord of Bones are like bros? Yes. Remember. <laughs> to be clear, it's the, the actor Kieran Hines, is that right, is being that cast? That is right. It's not That's the right. actual Aberforth Dumbledore, Eric. Okay, because I was confused there. that for our listeners. Yeah. But yes, Kieran Hines himself has joined Game of Thrones. He's, he's also known from Rome and stuff. But What if Aberforth Dumbledore... Was like okay, I'll be an actor now because <laughs> because the, the witch J.K. Family, Rowling was you know, cast Dumbledore out of hiding. Dead, Got she wrote else a book. Going on now that this damn war's over, I'm going to get yeah, into she, acting. She, she's nice and stable. He could play exactly. Gandalf. She wrote a whole book about our about our times and troubles, and it was popularized and popularized in like the Muggle media. So he's like, screw it, like he's crossing over and he's going to be an actor now. I, I can see Hogsmeade having like a community theater, like Hogsmeade community players. They meet up and uh, do do sort of uh, maybe some improv and maybe some like old plays. They could do the Woman in Black because Kieran Hines was part of that as well. They could do Men in um, Black too. I'd totally play Will Smith. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? You and Abbeforth. <laughs> That'd be awesome. He could be Tommy Lee Jones. He's training exactly. me to like fight aliens. He gives me the noisy cricket, and I'm really mad. Like that'd be perfect. That would be perfect. Um, I. Uh, I, I saw the casting news and I was really excited by it because you know it's it's really not that big of a deal but I really in, like Aberforth's character from Harry Potter and Kieran Hines is a great actor obviously and it's neat to see Mance Raider casted even though I haven't read that far into the books yet so I feel like you guys or I, I say you guys I'm, I'm thinking of Micah unless Laura have you read these books that far into the series? Yes I have I Probably like most people, I started watching the HBO series, and about three episodes in, I was like, all right, I need these books now. So then I <laughs> picked them up, and it took me the better part of a year, but I actually read my whole way through the series. Okay, so you're excited, because you, you know about Mance. Like, you know the stuff that he does. So, like, you and Selena know, and Eric and I are in the closet just wondering what's happening. Well, exactly. I'm in the closet. I think you're actually, like, in your living room, right? No, I'm in my office. <laughs> it's just the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, but no, I, I think Kieran Hines, like, obviously, like, okay, so we know him as Aberforth Dumbledore, but I've seen some other stuff he's done, and he's just got this tremendous presence, you know, he's he's an established actor, um, and all the other roles I've seen him in, well, I, I've already named The Woman in Black, but there were a few others that I've seen him in, and I just think he's 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 got a strong presence, and he doesn't look at all like he does as Aberforth either, so they really made him look a lot more like uh, Michael Gambon in that, um, you know, in that role, but in general, um, I, I you know, I think... I'm just excited because I know he has such a strong stage presence, um, you know, on the screen. And, and I, I haven't particularly known any of the other actors. You know, I didn't know Kit Harrington. I didn't know... Um, well, I knew Sean Bean. That was it. Uh, you know, all the all these other actors that are on the show. Now that I know somebody who's got cast, it's like my excitement for Sean Bean all over again. I'm like, hey, I like this guy. I'm going to see him, you know, in this show that I really like. And it's just worlds colliding now. It's just great to see how many Harry Potter fans are actually being brought to Game of Thrones because he's like the fourth. And it's funny, you'd almost think there would be more than that too given how many Brits are in the cast. You would think there would be more crossover, but there aren't. I'm sure there will be. Wasn't every actor in Britain at one point in Harry Potter? Something like that. Yeah, there are a few actors like like Clive Owen who are like, they joke that they're like the only Brit who wasn't in Harry Potter. Um, Listen, Clive Owen would have been badass in Harry Potter. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Roth. Uh, also was originally considered for Snape and then wasn't. Oh, come on. Just Johnny Depp is Sirius Black. Please, just once. <laughs> just for one film. <laughs> okay, we got to stop this. I'm sorry, everybody yeah. that's listening. Um, we, we, It's, you know, blame it on Amber for it. Blame it on the goats. That's what distracted us. But um, mm-hmm. we had a slight break in the show because we had convention traveling and we were joking about getting to see Selena. But the four of us, along with a bunch of our other friends, um, you know, got together and had a good time at LeakyCon this past week. Are you guys exhausted? Selena, how's your flu? How's all that stuff? going my flu is finally gone but of course i you went through leaky con battling a fever and with my voice completely gone so yeah that was that was pretty i don't even know how i did it like looking back that was very strange but i was just i guess i was just on a general leaky con high because it was so awesome and really getting to see you guys in person like we haven't met each other in person or i think you guys have but i haven't met you guys before doing the show for so long it's just really cool that we actually got to we were real people yeah you know yeah. we're not just voices in the computer no eric and i had have 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 our history of uh of chocolate milk and bumper cars oh yeah it's true yeah it's true no but it was it was i mean obviously we all had a great time meeting and we had all these uh we had like insurmountable plans for recording shows and doing all these things for you guys but as these things go like for example I'm just going to paint the context on an addition my other podcast we had like six I think it was, might have been seven. It was at least six episodes planned, and it wasn't even like it was. You, it wasn't even like all right. This is what's going to happen if we bust our ass. It was like this is just what we're going to do because there. This is what we do. This is there's time we have. Like everything was scheduled with with what we were doing, and the only thing we ended up doing was the live show, and that was it. And it wasn't because we didn't want to. It's because you know you just get caught up in stuff, and you know it's too good seeing friends, and you get mixed up, and shit gets crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all experienced that, you know. Laura came over to Britain a few months ago, and I think that that was all, almost all the Who hypers in the same place too. And you guys didn't record anything, did you? No, we didn't. And in fact, even at um, Comic Con, John Thrasher was saying, "Oh, you know, we should just do a general like hypable admins podcast because we were all at." comic-con but it's it's exactly what you said you're so you know trying to catch up with people you haven't met before and you know having too much fun like 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah no, no totally. you're so caught up in what's going on around you. I mean, it's it's you know like doing doing a podcast and hooking up all the equipment is like the last thing on earth you want to do. Which is why we did the live show for edition totally on our cell phones. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> that's like my that's like my my thing that I do. That's like the standard I've set with that show uh, because it's just like this is so much better. This is just because I I agree completely because everything. I mean, we we've been setting up for an hour today and just hanging out. The first half hour of our conversation was totally over Island, and we all were mic'd and headphoned up. We could have just spoken yep. to one another. You guys realize that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. it's okay. We had to like wean ourselves. Eric and I had to wean ourselves into talking to Laura for the first time. So <laughs> I know I'm like Aww. scary and intimidating. So you had to type to me first. You're so that scary. Accent, that accent's intimidating. I'm getting used to it. So Just we uh, obviously you know, so so that's what happened. And um, whoops, but here we are today, and it's it's good to be back. And it's actually sad that Mike isn't here, but he's he's hearing our thoughts and prayers. Also, uh, to to all to all seven of the gods. But if you wait toward the end of the episode, we're not going to let it go by without another little blip from Micah. So you you guys, you just sit tight for that one. But uh, obviously, what's 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 happening in the podcast right now is we're we're doing a read through of the books, and um, we brought Laura on because of her vast knowledge of the series, in addition to her friendship with us. But um, on top of that, we are going through sort of a. Uh, I was dropping the coin, by the way. Oh, actually, okay, actually, actually, it's an Allen wrench. Let me do it one more time. It's it's Eric's balls. It's doing it. <laughs> no, but uh, we are very clangy. We're going through a a read through. And I, do, have we officially called it chapter by chapter, guys? Is it or is uh, not, it not? Not Let's yet, because he won't number the chapters. I feel so hard about it, but it's just kind of like break by break, maybe? I don't. It's point, like of point, point of view by point of view. Pop yeah, yeah. by pop. Pop That's... by pop. <laughs> <laughs> pop by pop. We're doing a PVP. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're reading through, and uh, I think this is like, this has one of my favorite chapters. It's actually our first one. Um, I'm assuming that you guys like as much as I do. I know that Micah would. Yeah, I think yeah. easily. Yeah, I mean, like Tyrion, I mean, who doesn't love Tyrion? Tyrion is one of my favorite characters. I think he's even George R.R. R. Martin's favorite character, and God knows I mean, there's obviously. enough of them to go around. But yeah, this is, I mean, just awesome. Tyrion up at the wall saying his goodbyes is just great classic stuff and and you don't get it again i mean at least with the with the other books i don't think it's a huge spoiler to say Tyrion's not coming back to the wall for a while it, it, it's yeah. a great set of circumstances <gasps> you see yeah i know I've just ruined it for everybody Tyrion's not back at the wall for a while folks but <laughs> sorry you know. guys you see the thing is old old bear was like hey you'd make a a you know we'll, we're gonna miss you he was being very sensitive to him, you know, in in this chapter, at the beginning of this chapter, and I thought that was very unexpected for me. I love you know, for that. Me. Tyrion, Tyrion really gained some massive respect, uh, you know, in the short time that he that he spent with those people. It's because like they're such cool people in general, like the admins of that place. I mean, you've got a Targaryen hanging out. I love what he said. He says, "Are you certain that you must leave us so soon?" Is what he said to him, and I just thought it was so funny because it's just like when you thought about what's happening at that dinner scene, like they're just eating crab, and he's just hanging out with the <laughs> Night's Watch. They're drinking beer, eating crab, hanging out. You know what I mean? Like they're just chilling. Like that. It's just it's so funny to read it from the book's perspective versus the show because you don't get to feel the leisure uh-huh. in the show because they're constantly trying to move you along. But right. this was literally just right. them chilling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and anywhere else that Tyrion shows up, he gets like no credit. I mean, he's you know he's wise and he's witty, but he's always the guy that they're totally looking down on. And you know, up on the wall, it was finally some people that you know could kind of respect Tyrion for his intellect and what he you know what he brought. I guess 
guess because you know you're up there and there's nothing else you know they have kind of like a low tolerance for bullshit so I feel like they gave Tyrion props for being a guy who was intelligent and could do something worthwhile I, I think it stems also from the fact that they are all really outcasts either bastards or not necessarily dwarves but you know it's it's all it all gets bunched together so often in this book even so far where Tyrion is like you know well people call him half a man and, and all this stuff so he's a lot in common they're all coming from the same place they can just treat each other they can really see what each other are all about a lot better and the fact that it's so freezing ass-bitingly cold up there you know also helps them to like root out the bullshit I think um, because they're not going to waste their time or their energy on entertaining somebody who is not um, you know their equal or not going to treat them right it was interesting the things that Maester Aemon said about Tyrion being quite a large man and he he talks about like here at the end of the world he's sort of he's a giant come among us I think he says mm-hmm. and I just thought yeah. that was really interesting because Aemon being this sort of almost he almost has like a vision of the future you know you almost imagine that he knows what's going to happen like I just wonder if he actually knows something about Tyrion that we don't know Are you saying that he's going to be transfigured into a giant Selena? That is exactly what I'm saying Zach That makes I was hoping you'd pick up on that Thanks it makes sense I like that that's good uh-huh. He and Hodor are gonna band together. <laughs> no, I think it, yeah, it was confusing it with Hodor. I, I love the, the scene because uh, I mean, first off, yeah, I mean, obviously we get that we get that perspective from him. I, I was when when he said that, I was I feel like we as the readers have the ability to look ahead and sort of deduce what he's trying to do with Tyrion. I mean, once again, he was the only character that I know of so far that was introduced with a triple flip off of like a porch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, so we know that he's doing some cool shit sometime in the future. I don't know if they're talking about like Mudgate cool shit. Like I, I don't know because I haven't read far enough ahead. But um, you know, I feel like this chapter was just a big, just own fest for Tyrion, like making him feel just like building his character up into someone cool. Because at the same time, he was super humble. You know, like, mm-hmm. but also he stood up to a bully. I thought it was hilarious. Like, Thorne was like, oh, you mock me or whatever, or you mock us, you know, right at the beginning of the chapter and just like saying, like, he was just being negative. Everyone's just drinking, eating crab. Like, how often do they get crab up there? They're just having a good time with it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? He, he's just like, only you, Sir Alistair, you know? And he's just like, yeah, just right good. to his face, making fun of this knight. It's just hilarious. To this me. is another thing that I loved about this part was that they went into sort of more detail about explaining the winter. Like in summer and winter, and how it's just sort of like Mormon and Tyrion. They, I don't know if this was before or after he was mocking Alistair. Just right after, yeah. Just, just think that summer just lasts until winter comes, and then winter just lasts until summer comes. And I, I think that's so cool because we don't really think about it. But if you don't have months and days, and you know, if your world doesn't work like that, it makes total sense that you know winter could last forever. That's what I wrote down in my notes. And uh, I, I think what he says exactly was he says something about uh, something about a long summer meant a long winter. So whatever, however they rotate around their planet or around their solar system or whether it's magic, that's how it goes. So he was like, hey, man, so if that's the case, this one has lasted nine years yeah. and we're about to have a 10 year summer. And then he says, literally, he goes, think on that. And I feel like that was such modern like terminology that Martin just threw in. He goes, old bear says to Tyrion, he goes, think on that. <laughs> 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 think about that. So There's a bone to gnaw on, son. 
I know. Yeah. So what we're looking at right now is like the real perspective. Like that is nuts. So let's just say if it matches, if it's like half and half, if it goes 50 and 50, if it's a 10 year summer, which has been awesome, it's going to be a 10 year winter. Can, and, and it's not just a normal winter. It's like a winter where giants and crazy people come out. I mean, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's like it's like Halloween, only not yeah, one night. Imagine a year. Halloween, except they're not costumes. And listen, it lasts for ten years. That's yeah, but suck. see, that doesn't make any. Like, I'm not sure how that's going to play out because considering that each book spans about what Laura like six months or like Something three like months even. Yeah. Not yeah, a I mean, very long time. Yeah. How is 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 winter going to end? Are we going to see it end? Is he going to do a time jump? What's going to happen? Can we guess? Can I just guess something here or is that like it's too spoilery or whatever with the listeners? I don't know. I don't I, think so. I, take, take Eric, I'm going to turn to you because you do, you've done Mogocast for like 18 years. Like can you guess ahead of time and will people get mad? Oh, no. In fact, no, they email so. you like at your 100th episode, and then they're like, uh, hey, uh, back when you predicted this, and then it All came right. true. And then we're well, like, oh, cool. This is what I predict, okay? I predict. Let's just say this is the case. Let's say it's a 10-year winter. And it, let's just say even if – let's just say uh, it's a 10-year summer. Let's say it's a third. The winter is just a third of the summer for some reason, and I'm shrugging animatedly. Uh, <laughs> let's just say it's a third. It's going to be still like three and a half years of winter of crazy shit. That's yeah. that's still like, damn. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, mean, I would say that's a real legit guess. And yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, like the wall is cold as it is, but now you know all over the kingdom. Yeah, it's there's no way to grow food. It's cold. It's bitter, and it's not like you can go. Oh, all right, it'll get better in two months. No, it's going to get better in three years. You know, you better have stocked up. You better and have prepared because like it's just going to get more miserable before it gets better. Well, if magic is coming back, at least if the dragons are coming back, maybe they can, uh, you know, make it stop it being winter. Yeah, but they're bad too, though, man. They're well, bad, or I mean, bad how? They well, they well, look at Harrenhal. Yeah. <laughs> it's fire and ice. What Not about that, that 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 was my theory, and I'm I'm slowly creeping my way to it. But it's just I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this because like I've read lots of stories and I've seen lots of stories and we've we've I mean through our own history of this planet we've seen bad things happen but I don't know if there's anything you know other than a, a like a like a, a, a cosmic explosion maybe like a supernova or a, a comet or an asteroid colliding with the planet I don't think that there's anything more devastating maybe a nuclear fallout I don't know I don't think there's anything more devastating than like a 10 year winter full of of crazy giants and zombie people destroying and killing everyone. Yeah, and then you run from the zombies into the mouths of dragon-breathing yeah. fire. It's like, it's the worst thing. Right. It's like, George, you thought of the worst thing. It's literally the scariest thing. Even just the winter is, is no one can go outside. And if people want to fight each other, were you going to fight out in the courtyard? You can't even go out. You can't even, like, jo John and Tyrion are on the wall, and they, like, want to shake hands with each other. And it was literally, like, a paragraph of Tyrion taking off his glove because it's so damn cold. Right. To shake, like, and John's like, yeah, they told me to keep walking because otherwise my blood will freeze. <laughs> my blood will freeze, and it's not even winter. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. I don't know. I, I'm... I'm just like, damn, this is some crazy shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, with the changing of the seasons, I also have to wonder if this uh, planet that they're on, where Westeros is, if it's polar, you know? If there is a place where it's summer every time that it's winter in, you know, Westeros. Karth. Um, I really, or, or if they go south, like, I've always imagined King's Landing as being warmer. They've said as much. So it seems like it would have, 
you know, an equator, this planet, whatever it is, and, you know, perhaps somewhere far, far away, it it will always be somewhere, somewhere on the planet, like just like it is here on Earth. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it's a, it's a spoiler to say this, because they haven't even gotten into the kingdom that much in the books, but they do reference a couple times the summer islands and the summer islanders, and they talk about it being more warm there, so I guess it is true, like, how, how cold is cold? You know, maybe it won't snow, but it's chillier, like, my parents live in Florida, like, it'll still get cold, but it's not going to get to be brutal like it is, you know, up here in the north, so that's maybe a good question. Right. How bad winter is is it relative yeah i think you're i mean you're probably right i i feel like those kinds of places are reserved for the royals though it's like if something bad happened here and like the you know people in the white house and elected officials and top military people would get escorted into the awesome places you know like i feel like it's the same thing except their storyline follows those people so we don't really feel bad for all the normal people but if it is bad and the normal that people sucks. aren't being taken anywhere, they're all going to die by like like dire wolves, crazy ones that aren't cool. That's, that's always depresses me because I always feel like if I lived in that time, I would totally be a peasant living in some hut somewhere. Yeah. So I'm always like, oh, I would get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we are right now. I mean, technically. So <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't know. It's sad. So 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 I guess my, my theory is... The dragons are gonna, or somehow they're gonna destroy some kind of evil source of the winter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, mm. I'm gonna kill this, like, they keep saying the heart of winter. Like, it's gonna be like a Zelda style creature where you throw a bomb into the Dodongo's mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be something. Yeah, the like fi- that. fire. What is it? Wildfire. Yeah. But, um,. Like, no, I, I maybe the final battle is going to be, like, a dragon versus the zombie king or something. Dude. So is this is this series, and this is this may be a spoiler, but is it really leading up to a final battle of some sort? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm just guessing. I think well, it's good. kind of End. got to, because otherwise, I mean, it, it would be kind of boring if it didn't. I mean, what where is it going to go if it doesn't I don't think so. I mean, you've got so many different families, so many different banners. It really, I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be possible to do a final battle as such because there are so many people in so many different geographical what about, locations. Uh, you know, like, the, the, what I saw as being the final battle was really the battle for, you know, the throne, which I see as possibly ending before the book series does. Um, at least that's how I thought it. I thought it was going to happen before I, before, before I saw the outcome of Blackwater, I thought that that was going to be kind of like the big you know, crescendo battle, and then that, 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 you know, the rest of the books are, or for some time there would be peace again. You know, to have it all go up to a, uh, you know, a final battle again is like saying that there's some kind of, you know, unfinished business, um, you know, on the part of the, the politics, unless it's like humankind yeah. and White Walkers. Like that, I can nothing, see being. Right. Or unless it gets to the point nothing of. Nothing you think is going to happen will happen. <laughs> right. Or unless it just gets to the point of it's. It's not worth who's going to get the throne. We're dealing with zombies and dragons. You know, who yeah. cares who's on That's the damn throne? That's what I've been saying throne. since we day have, one. You yeah. know, things that are going to eat us. You know, it's it's one of those, like, the enemy of the enemy is my friend kind of things. Yeah, it's like, who cares who the king is right now? We've got literal giants walking this way. There are yetis. We have wampas attacking our kingdoms. Exactly. There <laughs> so you go. So who cares? Ride your tauntauns. <laughs> crawl inside of them for warmth. Who cares what's happening right now? You know I was going to say, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. He stuffs Luke inside of a tauntaun. <laughs> this may smell bad, kid, but it'll keep you alive. Or keep you warm. 
Um, anyway, anyway. But, so anyway, from this chapter, another thing that I guess I was reminded of was that um, John's uncle Benjamin is out uh, north oh, of yeah. the wall somewhere. Yeah, sorry, Benjamin. What the hell happened to that guy? I don't know. I hope we find him later because they could talk about him an awful lot. And, and not in pieces either. Yeah, not in pieces. Not on a spike. Maybe we'll find a piece of him in each book. It'll be like a, a you know, <laughs> little scavenger token, hunt. Little token Benjamin on the side. Like Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> we're, we're building something. And then it comes together. I feel like that should be like Where's Waldo style. You know, Where's Benjamin Stark? Just find him in the forest. If that is not on this web. If, that, if that's not like the Game of Thrones website in a week and a half, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> yeah, me too. Find Benjamin. One of you guys Where's listening, Benjen? just illustrate a flawlessly illustrated thing for free and spend 30 yes, hours on it. Do and, that. and people, <laughs> yep. people will love yep. it. Well, it was interesting because they were describing the wall and all the brush that had kind of come up to the wall but then been harvested or cut down you know for use of or by you know for use of the black um for the crows to use it and you know john was looking down off the wall or maybe it was Tyrion, you know and they were looking at how close the forest came but i think the specific thought pattern was you know could we even see these white walkers or these wildlings could we see them if they were coming right you know for us and and it, and you know, it, I guess there it was the haunted forest. They, it's called yeah. you know black like forest, Fangor. dark forest, forbidden forest. Um, <laughs> is all you know. It, it's it's still there are parts of it where it's very thick and no sunlight can get in and anybody could be hiding there r- waiting to take right. the wall. Right. Yeah. It would just be it, you know you're not going to know your enemies there until they're right upon you and then can you come up with a response fast enough when they're right there? Well, luckily we have a wall bigger than anything ever made. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, it was but built. at the same time, it's kind of fallen into disrepair. There was that catapult that uh, Tyrion walks by, and it had broken at some point. They meant to repair it and just forgotten. It yeah. never did. Right. Um, and the conversation he had with Old Bear too. He, uh, Old Bear was saying that you know every commander of the Night's Watch, his pride was that they could leave the wall higher than when they got it, and he was saying yes. he's now down to just just trying to desperately maintain it you know and he doesn't have enough guys to man it so if he barely has enough guys you know just even to cover the length of the wall who's to say what's falling apart are there holes is it worse than he even thinks it is if you guys remember the battle yeah. of Pelinar fields like really like do catapults actually do anything anyway if you've got an onslaught of white walkers coming your way you're taking out like 10 guys each like piece of stone you're throwing like it's not that much like i so i didn't really care that much about the catapult honestly well if you could catapult uh what is it um that that fire dragon water whatever dragon water it's what it is it's dragon piss they bottle it and they throw it at their enemies i was bothered by that because with what they say like uh we have enough people to stretch like to to defend the wall uh, like one guy every three miles or something like that yeah oh wow exactly i I don't remember reading that isn't he down to like 500 men though it's like 600 where they are and then like 200 other guys at the uh, the other place. I forget there's and, a lot of names. I'm sorry. And guys. another thing is they've just taken them all beyond the wall, you know, in yeah. season two. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we all know what happens if you've watched the show. Something right. does. They, mm-hmm. find a, they find a place to bury their uh, after things and then other, other things start to happen. No, but I... Um, I, I thought this chapter was good because, like I said, we get to feel a, a weird perspective from Tyrion where he's getting aggrandized, not from himself, and he's also being humble. So it's like two different things that we usually don't get from him at once, um, at least so far, and probably again for a while. And then we get to have I, – I thought this was this was great because he's he's we have this exposition about how 
terribly cold it is and still and about how much he's looking forward to getting up to the king's tower and sleeping and he decides just like he doesn't even give it more than a second of thought he he i could tell he's such a a a thinker such an intuitive person because he says to himself like i want to take a last look at this at this wall and it's something that i've always done and i always thought i was kind of weird about it but like if i stay in hotels or if i go somewhere that i know i'm maybe not going to be again even though i'll be in the city but not in that same place like if i've spent a few days there and I want to remember it. Before I leave, I'll take a little last look and like try to remember it in my mind. No, you know? I do the same thing. Yeah. It's right? weird. It's weird. Plus, I thought I got the feeling that he knew that Jon Snow was up there um, because uh, he's walking along the wall. All of a sudden, he hears like halt, and then he's like, "Oh, Snow, how's it going?" Um, you know, he he had the thought to to talk to Jon, and 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 the conversation they had really sealed their their bond. I think uh, you know the I fact love that they had become unexpected good friends yeah they're the best sitcom i think we could like them, <laughs> like jamie and brianne could be awesome but like john and Tyrion, that'd be like it'd be like entourage but not because there's just two only of two of them yeah <laughs> like that would be that'd be cool no i i love their friendship too selena like i think it's i think it's really it's a, it's a special thing obviously they take their gloves off and shake so it's got to be something cool yeah definitely i mean it's very very sad that they're saying goodbye and we figure they probably won't see each other for a long time and what he tells uh, what he tells Tyrion to take back to Rob, something about like you can go ahead and get fat and sit on the throne. Like I've got it up here. Don't worry about it. Uh, he, he, Tyrion's like, listen, John, I'm not gonna deliver any messages to your brother that would have me killed. So <laughs> why don't you write those down? He's like, ah, no one can read. <laughs> you know the wisdom of that is though, considering what happens to Tyrion later. <laughs> you know, right. trying not to get killed or attacked. So, I mean, like, look, first off, look at the conversations sparked out of this one chapter. This is why I love this chapter so much, obviously. Yeah. And I'm, You're again, right. I'm holding my hands up, like, wringing my hands in the air as if n- no one's watching me. But you can feel the passion and the vigor. So we, we've, we've said how um, sort of in past episodes, uh, you know, we've noticed and noted how good a father Eddard is. Um, he just seems to be like the perfect dad to his family. He's wise. He's able to, you know, kind of explain to each of them, in spite of their own personalities, um, he's able to communicate with them and, 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 and tell them, like, what needs to be done, what needs to happen, and why. They all have this tremendous respect for him, but he earns it. He, he really just does. He's a good father to them. And uh, Arya's chapter, which is next, is, is, is no different. Um, so I, I liked this chapter, like coming down of the Tyrion, Tyrion chapter. I, at this point, I just expect Tyrion to be awesome. Like I've written him off as being awesome, so I'm gonna like his chapter. Then when I get to Arya, I'm like, okay, this is a young girl who's still growing, and I want to read about her growing. It's it's essentially like he's writing several books simultaneously, you know, with all these different POVs. Um, so I enjoy watching different characters at different states of their, you know, conversation or development in the story. She's already awesome, though. I mean, she's such a. It's so funny because she's such a loner. <laughs> like she's so, she's so, she just hates everybody. But I love her. I feel such a, such a kin, kinship with with Arya. She's even left-handed, like I am. Would. She's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You well, would. You know, it is too. There are like other, I guess, which you might call like more like warrior women. You know, people like um, Brienne or somebody like. I mean, they call her in the 
in the HBO series Yara, Ygritte? but she's really, I mean, Egret is another good example too. It's just that Arya's never met anybody who, you know, a girl who Who's like wasn't her. like her mother or like Sansa. And I don't think she's ever, I mean, it's kind of sad. She's never had the experience of meeting somebody who wasn't, you know, their biggest goal in life wasn't to be the perfect lady. And there's definitely women out there that are different like that. But unfortunately, Arya's never met any of them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because, uh, Fan sites didn't exist back then either. This is true. Where was she going to go? <laughs> there you go. It's like, I'm such a big fan of whatever Joan of Arc. <laughs> Joan the fan. Yeah. There's no Western Wikipedia out there. Yeah. Yeah. Westernpedia. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to bring up something which I, I know we shouldn't spend a lot of time on this. It's just I like to keep my own little personal tally of how obvious it is that uh, John is um, the son of Liana and whoever else. And in this <laughs> chapter, we had a little nod to that as well when. Um, Ed, Ned points out that Arya looks like Lyanna, and obviously we know that John looks like Arya. So there you go. Oh, perfect! It does make sense. It makes but perfect sense. Like, I didn't even I didn't notice sense. it the first time I read them. Yeah, I think promise it's... me, Ned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, it is funny too because they, you know, in the books they make I think much more of that fact in ways like what Selena you're saying, and I don't think in the HBO series they have hardly touched on that issue at all. So I'm I'm Thank really God. curious given, how they're going to bridge that. That is. Weird I was going to say, of. given how often it's brought up in the books, I'm really starting to hate anything about that. Like that conversation, it's it's over for me. It's done. I'm so glad that the the series has either not brought that in or or is 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 tapering it. They're going to um, because I, I, yeah. I know it's something that isn't revealed for a very long time. So I'm really tired of reading about it. It's like it's like the slow burn that you that you know that is like already starting to burn, but well, did, it's not going to stop burning for a really long time. Did you so. tell George about that? When you're with him at the yeah, Five Guys yeah, restaurant. I'll, I'll have to maybe take some meds. <laughs> when you guys were hanging out at Five Guys with each other. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, yeah, so George actually came to Leaky then. That was pretty cool. Eric, you tweeted that as a joke. We talked about it on edition. Yeah. Uh, and Selena, you were there, so this is a little redundant. But uh, uh, we definitely, like, you definitely tweeted that, and I definitely tweeted it from Game of Owns. <laughs> And a few news sources picked it up as an actual star sighting. <laughs> oh my god, that's great! Uh, yeah, so, so like, and here was here is the tweet too. This is what I tweeted: George R. R. Martin spotted at Five Guys in Chicago. Could he be here for LeakyCon? And <laughs> there were so many news outlets like searching LeakyCon news. Like plenty of people reported on LeakyCon in Chicago, like local Chicago area as well. And so I think anything to do with it that could have been, oh my God, what new celebrity did Leaky have this time? You know, <laughs> right. it was, 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 it was all on you. considered more it was believable. Because they having have a quite private a lot meeting of with um, people from different fandoms there as well. So what did he order? It would have been interesting if he pulled it up. Did he get the double-double all the way? He got the, uh, I don't know what he got. He was with somebody. He was with a guy who looked uh, like Jim Caviezel, actually. So I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> it was a casting maybe, meeting. Uh, everybody's um, favorite Jim Caviezel is, is going to be coming to Game of uh, Thrones at all. I don't know. That was a casting meeting. Um, anyway, back to the, back to the book. My favorite part about this chapter, uh, obviously, is that one of the sweetest characters of all time has been introduced, and he's a great man who has less hair than the show. <laughs> we've we've talked about this island before that we hope that everybody's still secretly just residing on. Sirio <laughs> Forel, who presumably is killed. Uh, you know Ned Stark, who definitely is probably killed. But you know all these great characters that just don't last very long in the scheme of things. And I'm speaking from the TV show. Maybe in the books, he's you know he's back. I don't know. But um, you know we just really hope some of these characters are just so I don't want to say iconic, but memorable. 
and they're you know here's 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 someone Syria Pharrell who's not going to say this is a girl you know I, I can't train a girl how to how to water dance or sword fight or whatever he looks upon her and you know as his pupil and is as eager to I, I guess it's just his open mindedness really uh, attracts me. Um, because, uh, you know, a mentor, but really if you're a sword fighter, you can be like, think about the sword fighters at the, you know, at the wall. I guess it's because only guys join the wall too, but you know, they seem to be a lot more harsh about who is, is, um, fit for training. And here's this little girl who's got her own sword and, you know, Cyril Pharrell just jumps right into it. Well, let's, let's compare it to real life. The hand of the king. So let's say like the vice president of the United States is like, Hey, Listen, um, like, let's say he enlists Snoop Dogg. He's like, Snoop, <laughs> my daughter, Snoop Lion, excuse me. Snoop, Snoop Lion, Lion. My daughter really likes rap music, and she really wants to be a talented rapper one day, so could you please train her? <laughs> like, you can't say no to the second in command of the, of the world. You can if he threatens to take you hunting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, of course, Cyril Pharrell is going to be the best. They got the best for Arya. Just the nothing but the best. Ned took care of his daughter, which was awesome. But still, like, there was that moment's hesitation where I think he kind of wanted to take the sword from her, right? And she's fearing that. But then it's completely the opposite. He, he like, accepts that he's going to have really only one daughter that is going to be a lady. And then the other Ned daughter... Ned is the best you know. dad ever. He is. <laughs> He's just... It's amazing. <laughs> okay, what would you do if you went into your daughter's room and you found a sword? <laughs> He's right. a great dad. Oh, he's a great dad. That's awesome. But the, he does lay down a few rules, right? No poking your sister. Yeah, good yeah. rule. Yeah, good rule. Good rule. Uh, and, and, and when, you know... Aria, uh, oh, and also no, no poking Septa, right? Yeah, um, this was before you know, Facebook. Don't attack clearly. Septa, no matter Facebook, how, yeah. no matter how angry you get at Sansa, don't do you it. You talked about Tyrion being this chapter being one of your favorites. This chapter with Daenerys was one of my favorites in the whole book. I love her transition from being the scared little girl to feeling like a Khaleesi. You know, as I was going to say, is it because she's the, taking charge? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, it's you know, you see her look over the like. First of all. We've talked about how amazing George R. R. Martin's descriptions are, but his descriptions of the of the sea, of the grass sea, oh, the Dothraki it's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be in it. It was just perfect. <laughs> it was amazing. I wrote it down. I wrote down the quote. Can I read it? Yeah, go for it. Please. I never thought I'd be this interested reading about grass, but I was, <laughs> I and I, I like I stopped myself like fifty words in. I was like, I need to write this down. Um, so he says, "Well, Jorah is talking to Danny. This is the beginning of the chapter." And it's called the Dothraki Sea, but it's just like tall grass on land. Um, he says, this is only Hrana, child. There are hundreds of kinds of grass out there. Grasses as yellow as lemon and as dark as indigo. Blue grasses and orange grasses and grasses like rainbows. Down in the Shadowlands, beyond Ashai, they say there are oceans of ghost grass. Taller than a man on horseback with stalks as pale as milk glass. It murders all other glass and glows in the dark with the spirits of the damned. Also, the Dothraki claim that someday ghost grass will cover the entire world and then all life will end. Wow. Um, wow. I want the rainbow grass. I want yeah. the, How the awesome rainbow would that be? I want the bluegrass. Kentucky bluegrass just right in your living room. Just no more carpet, just bluegrass. <laughs> just bluegrass playing on the record player. Dude, I listen to bluegrass when I shower. True story. TMI. Anyway. Um, but I have a question, though, about this um, Daenerys' whole transformation in this chapter, because clearly she has a dream, 
you know, Clearly. about fire and about dragons and all that. And then she wakes up and her pain is gone. You know, mm-hmm. she, she, her skin, they described her skin as supple, but whatever, uh, like leather or something, I imagine. <laughs> supple now. leather. Um, but whatever. Uh, and, and, and she has, she sort of like has embraced her dragon destiny, I guess. But what do you think happened to her? I don't know, but I think uh, it is what you just said. She kind of, I mean, I think before this, she always thought that Viserys was going to be, you know, quote unquote, the dragon. If for no other reason, he just said it often enough. Um, and I think this is the first time I think she started to realize that she had just as much of a right to thing and just as much power as he did. So maybe it's it's coming from sort of that internal knowledge that, yeah, I'm just as worthy as he is. I didn't really see her dream as being that necessary. Not not to be like I'm reading something and I'm like, oh, this isn't necessary. But in general, like the wounds from riding a horse, like any muscle that you pull or something, like give it time, it'll heal. That's you know, true. like your your body heals. It's what it does. So as a as a human, you know, her body's just getting used to all the stress she's put it under, the very new stress. Um, you know, yeah, so but- so there were. There were moments, like, even the lovemaking with Drago, like, she's getting used to being handled that way, and it's not, you know, it's just her body's natural response. The dream comes as sort of like a mental, you know, go get em, uh, you know, and, and she finds mental peace with, with it over the anguish. But in general, she's just getting stronger from riding on a horse Do day by day so, by day though? by day. I think there's something else going on. I think she gets so you think there is magic? Because the book fire. says magic. It's like, oh, by some magical, you know, thing, her pain of the right. But I just thought it was, like, natural. Like, I didn't No, think... I mean... I, I think yeah. there's some degree of that. I think that's that, some but... fire awakes in her blood. Like, it says yeah. something about fire awakening in her blood or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and that and the fact that later she literally can walk through fire with nothing happening to her. So I, I think there, yeah. I think I think it's a little bit of what you're saying, but I also think it it's definitely her embracing that dragon side too. Well, I, again, about the sea of uh, the Dothraki Sea being tall grass, I loved the comparison because it shows the Dothraki as these land people. You know, they 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 um, the, uh, presumably Viserys. Uh, and Danny have to cross, you know, a pretty big body of water to get to where they need to go. But ultimately, the Dothraki are, are these land-based people, and they really excel at the land. So calling, you know, a field of grass the Dothraki Sea is funny, and it's a comparison. But really, like these land people, she's she's becoming um, one of them. Like, you know, just like you said, she's embracing the dragon inside her. She's also at the same time embracing the Dothraki inside her. And she's adopting their customs, like when she uh, decides to make her brother walk um, after he, you know, after he attacks her, like that to show that he has no honor. And she's learning and getting, you know, for the first time, really coming into a role as Khaleesi's, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I really love it. I I love reading that. I love reading her because this is this is the Daenerys that I like, not the weird season two whiny yeah. Daenerys, but this right. Daenerys who is quiet and who yeah. is noble and who is like just internally so strong. Well, she's slowly growing stronger as this chapter goes on, it seems like. And I, I agree with you about the magic perspective. Because, I mean, like, your your wounds don't heal like that. And your resolve doesn't heal like that, you know, immediately. So, if she can walk through fire in this same book, I mean, there's no reason why this couldn't be some form of magic inside of her. Or at least her resolve growing stronger and, and coming out in a physical manner. Yeah, it just seems like there's so much more magic in this book than there is in the show translation. You know, yeah. you know, we're already, again, in the next chapter, in Bran's chapter, we're hearing about the children of the forest. 
which weren't even mentioned in the HBO series until at least like episode five or six of season two. You know, things I never knew were happening in the books this early are absolutely happening in the books this early. And so I try and I'm like, okay, this isn't magic yet. It can just be, you know, real. But really, there is just that much magic in these books that's happening. Um, so you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Danny was, was healed um, perhaps by... Uh, a spirit of her ancestors, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, they the have dragon they line. have fire blood, or they have dragon blood supposedly running through their veins, and that's why they have a connection to the dragons. That family. That's also the whole point why they kept interbreeding. You know, to, is to keep, keep the, that to line keep pure. The dragon in the, so, so all right. So, who was the first person to do a dragon? I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did they live like, to tell staring, the tale? Staring that's up at the, a dragon, he's like, question. "Man, you fine. <laughs> that's you a fine. good dragon." I think it was the donkey from Shrek, actually, is the first one, the first person. And then Targaryens were born. Yes, and that's yeah. how the Targaryens happened. That's yeah. basically, uh, to everybody listening, um, we've uncovered the truth, and this is this happened to me years ago. I'm just going to tell you now, every story, every fantasy thing, everything ever written, it's all mixed in with each other. That's why there's a Sid in every Final Fantasy game, and they all have something to do with some kind of airship or some kind of like mechanical device. Everything is mixed. There's no surprise, and everyone who writes the stories, they're all the same person. So You guys know there are basilisks, right, yep. in these books? Yeah, and there's basilisks in uh, Final Fantasy, too. True story. Yeah. Except they so use this, this this chapter. She's talking about basilisks and um, I don't know what else there were, but um, other creatures that are roaming the lands far and wide. Do you think that she's too young to uh, to have broken the stallion? What, oh, what do you mean I, that, broken that was the like that was the, the the weirdest or like the the creepiest part of this chapter. Is though is that you read so much about her, you're like, oh my god, this great journey. She's doing all these things, you know. She tames Drogo as I wrote in the doc but I really think that's what she does is the, the woman is like oh you're pregnant and then it's like and it was her 14th name day <laughs> and you're yeah, just that's like what I'm saying. holy like, crap what did yeah. I just read I mean, it's kind of funny like, what kind of perv is Drago for yeah. getting it on with a 13 year old right right well you know what it is well, she's too, 14 now Eric even said if he had the series <laughs> to write over he felt like his big mistake is that he wrote all the kids too young I don't yeah. know if, if this was part of it but like it was even I mean the fact that Arya is supposed to be like eight years old you know and mm-hmm. John and Rob are like are they like 14. 16 or 17 they're, they're not that much oh no you're right they're right they're 14 so a lot of this is you know even if you want to say in medieval times people you know lived more quickly or whatever some of the things are just a little even improbable for people it works much better in the show yeah yeah i think it definitely does i agree well we said in the i guess we figured this out before the show right it says it's her 14th name day but perhaps they actually like is that the same thing as a birthday or did they just wait a couple years the day she was born (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i'm pretty sure okay it's just a more interesting way for martin to say birthday yeah that's that's what it is i mean because also they name each other like after their ancestors too so i thought maybe it was like you know, the, the the day of a patron saint or something like that you're named after or something like that. Name <laughs> no, I think just... that's so funny, though. Isn't what? that like they name, they name each other after their their ancestors? So, in like, when they're talking about Bran, he's like, you know, all the Brandons just mixed together because they're all the same. Right. Yeah, right. but so saying name day, I'm like, oh, okay, some Brandon before perhaps was born on that day or it's the day where they celebrate that historical figure, that name. But... You know, now I understand it is it is just birthday. So literally, literally, I think it's just a, like a writing device to sound more interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, so, like salted sir. pork. And it's stuff like spelling like sir with an e. You know what I mean? Just like little things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, what about Jorah in this chapter? He has a, a little bit of a choice, um, you know, in what happens to Viserys. I think he's just he's a smart warrior. He knows he knows that Viserys is just never going to be able to lead an army. I mean, and Danny even knows it too. Danny even says it. You could give my my brother all the gold in the world and he would never be able to retake our kingdom. And I think Jorah knows it too. And he just decides to cut his losses and go in with Daenerys because he has, I mean, maybe she isn't fully matured and grown there, but I think he feels like he's got a better shot aligning with her and he's a survivor. So that's what he was going to do. And he's in love with her. Well, that too. Well, yeah, except in the in the books, he looks a little bit different than he does in the show. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> like Danny looks at him, like, there's like this black hair, black curly hair all over his body, and I'm so like, so he looks oh, like Jon Snow is basically what you're saying. No, no, no. I, I'm thinking he looks more like, um, uh, geez, what am I thinking? Uh, Robin B. Williams. Hayes. Or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's the best description. You're absolutely right. <laughs> right. Complete, that's complete what I was with thinking the Scottish of, so. golfer but, jokes. Um, no, anyway, I, I just think there is some dishonor in what Jorah does because he did, and Danny's even like, "Hey, you threw your you, like you vowed your sword to to Viserys, but um, he just doesn't care." I hate to uh, to make a brash transition, and by brash, I don't really know what that means in this sense, but I want to go ahead and just talk about the fact that in this next chapter, we get to learn uh, Hodor's actual real name. <laughs> and that's really exciting to me, because uh, Hodor's name is actually Walder, but he soon Walder. came to be called yes. the only word he ever that's speaks. That's like a bombshell. I know, which is Hodor. So what do you guys think about that? Walder. Is he afraid? Do you think, Laura? I I have to say I because when I I guess when I read it I it didn't I didn't get to the part where you know obviously that is such a huge thing and it just went right through me the first time re- read throughs so when I reread it I was like oh my god um, <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like oh my god he's got to be connected to the fray because who the hell else would want to name their children Walder if it wasn't well, Frey? exactly I mean they're so like I, the most I, I hated get... like just inbred gross like people get it, of, you know get it's, it all it's out. a wonder well they're you know I was gonna say it's a wonder their kids don't have three heads well Hodor Hodor uh, you know they're they're pretty inbred over there so hey watch what you it's say about Hodor around me <laughs> if Hodor is not his name whose name is he shouting <laughs> like all the time what's you know Hodor's the only thing this guy ever says okay what does it mean now now I'm really curious if it's not his own name it's the key to the series. I'm sure it is. It's the key. Like the final you, you word is going to be Hodor. That's what I was just going to say. It's the new it's scar. The last word. It's the last Hodor's word. End up being it's like, the last word. Hodor is going to end up being the elvish word for friend that gets into a cave <laughs> exactly. or something. Yeah, he's like, speak exactly. Hodor and yeah, enter. And they're right. like, they're going to have Hodor along and it'd be like, speak friend and enter. What does that mean? Hodor. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, there you go, right? <laughs> oh, God. I used to have that. That used to be my password to my wi-fi it was my wi-fi was called moria and you had to put it mela the elvis word for friend anyway i'm God. sorry moving on sorry yeah. guys I, I apologize to everyone listening that's again tmi this episode uh no but it's exciting we, we get to see a chapter from brand's perspective and uh you know he's watching rick and run the yard and he's with the uh with the dire wolves and you know he's having trouble dealing with what's happened to him and i wonder about rick and what do you want? Sorry, wonder? I just had to throw that in there. I wonder, no, like, because he seems so there's so something so sinister about him. Oh, Every yeah. time he's mentioned, 
Yeah, he seems, I mean, even in the, like, I think it's Rob in the TV show has the line to his mother about, like, you've been neglecting Rickon, and he's a little kid, he really needs you, he really needs his mother, and you can see, like, how he's just, like, this really, like, wild child, but, like, with a really negative streak, you you really wonder if it's going to get worse. Was he, like, was he uh, smashing dates or something when in season two? We, we talked about this earlier, you know, when yeah, we were doing the season two rewatch, but he's just sitting next to Bren on the council. Yeah, but he was like, bored. Smashing stuff. But still, I'm like, you're right. He's very, he's just destructive. I, I think he's Bren, the one that set the library on fire. guidance. He yeah. definitely set the library on fire. Come on. He's a little fire bug, is what he is. It's like when they go when they go shopping. Like his mom, like like he can't like he has to sit in the car. Like he can't go inside. There's a chance he might yeah. burn it down. Or even like the scene where um you know it's um Osha's carrying Bran around down in the crypt and stuff, and all of a sudden um, Rickard's direwolf kind of leaps out at them and you know kind of goes to attack them, and like you feel like any other kid just like would have felt bad about that and he was just like no it's my dog like like he didn't even feel bad about it so you, you're starting to wonder is it like a little sociopath in the making there <laughs> maybe maybe only time will tell when they grow maybe they're if a they young. grow I, that's the, 10 yeah, books later how old is he he's like how old is is, is Four? like like two probably yeah, he, he's he's young. He's I think young he's. Still. I think he's I supposed say to be. Four. I think he's supposed to be four. I think. I mean, obviously, in the in the HBO series, they age them up, but in the books, I think it's Arya's eight, Bran is six, and Rickon is four. Is well, what I think for, it is yeah. in the books. In, in Rickon's defense, at four years old, I think each of us were mischievous little devils. You know, that's so, true. So maybe maybe it's not as deep as we think, and, or maybe George will listen to this and he will write something crazy because it's a good idea. <laughs> Because I think it's a good idea. <laughs> Just make him do some crazy stuff. I think he might. Like, if the books... If, if he, George R. R. Martin... Because you know he's talked about the fact that, oh, well, you know, some of the things I said in book one, like, I don't really remember. So, yeah. if he remembers, I'm sure it's going to matter. Yeah. Well, George, come on, man. Use, I'll buy you a post-it pad. Get a notebook, yeah. yeah. Right. Get a flow chart. Just get a chart that flows. You'll be fine. Just the, fi- the final thing in, in Branch Chapter, obviously, is that um, Tyrion comes to sort of say hello and um, he doesn't stay, but something interesting that happens before he leaves is that all the dire wolves go to attack Tyrion. And I guess I wonder why this happened because I know that the dire wolves are sort of like they they sort of emulate the emotions of of the Stark children, and I guess they all just really hated him. But I also kind of feel like they they sense danger, and I don't know why Tyrion would be a danger. Maybe he, he came smells from the north. like a Lannister. He came from the north, and he smells like wildlings, or or maybe they, he's, I don't know. He smells like the crazy yeah. shit that's happening, the cold yeah. wind. I did like though that Tyrion kept his word to John and came back and found a way to help Bran. Yeah, I mean he, that was he brilliant. I mean I think it shows the kind of person Tyrion is, and the fact that somebody. Um, like the maester who's at um, Winterfell, whose name just like went right out of my head. Like he can appreciate what it Lewin? took for. T- yes, that's it, yeah. Master Lewin, to appreciate what Tyrion actually took the time to come and did. He didn't have to do that, but he actually went out of his way to help Bran. And I don't think the other people are instantly as appreciative of that as they really could be. The right. whole threat nonsense. As soon as Tyrion entered the room, like we can't really blame Rob much for it because we know what's been happening. 
And like these people don't have the perspective that we do about how cool Tyrion is, about how like sweet kind of flips he can do. Like I feel like if people knew those kinds of things, be, <laughs> seriously though, like you would trust a guy that's good like that, is nimble. So I, you know, I don't blame Rob for being protective or Theon or any of the people. But then uh, it was cool how when the good stuff, did, like when he did help, it was it was nice to see the shift and the attitude. Like that's that's really neat. So. That is cool, and um, obviously we got a small Children of the Forest forest reference. And really, like before we move on completely to the next chapter, um, we did get the feel. I don't want to go deep into it because I feel like we talk about the others a whole lot, um, whether it's a lost reference or literally talking about the ones from this show. But old Nan just starts to, you know, she pours a little bit more out to Bran about all this shit, and she's just, you know, scaring the the life out of this child it seems you know what i mean like just like she's awesome yeah she is she's like if you've ever played majora's mask the crazy lady that you have to get the all-night mask to stay up and yeah. hear the whole story she's that lady that's old nan and like brand doesn't have a mask but he's sort of like stuck in his bed until hodor is like up so it's it's a funny perspective and we get to learn so much more about these uh these uh creatures that are terrible and apparently want to kill everyone but still like in the book like i feel like They've been mentioned enough, like it just in the last, uh, just in the first Tyrion chapter we had, Tyrion was like, in his own mind, we got to hear it. He was like, well, looking at this forest, I'm starting to believe that maybe that shit could be real. Yeah. And so, like, it's sort of like the, the whole Jon Snow thing. It's like, it's getting beaten to our head, almost incredibly obviously, that there's more than what these people think. So, it's like, as a reader, our whole time reading is we have this huge, like, we, we, we all get the inside joke. And all these people don't get the inside joke. And I don't know if he meant to write it that way. Like, I feel like something like Potter or something like Lord of the Rings, like, there's a constant secret that we're always yearning for. And I feel like for this book, this entire series, it's like we're waiting to see our characters feel what we already know. Mm -hmm. So, like, we want to know what they feel rather than getting surprised ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's weird. It's a strange decision that he... I mean, it, it's good, obviously. Look how wildly successful it is, but it is strange. Yeah, I You're agree right. with that, too. And just with the Children of the Forest, like, the first men stole their land and they disappeared. But then when they when the first men were, like, decimated, they went looking for the Children of the Forest. Like, old Brandon or the first Brandon. Brandon the Builder, right? And Nan yeah. doesn't complete builder, her sorry. story, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, they're searching for these lost children of the forest, and even this is centuries and centuries and centuries ago. So, even like, when I first heard it on the HBO show in season two, I want to know, I want to see these children of the forest come back and save the day. I'm telling you, all the stories are written with each other. Those are just the Kokiri kids. Just <laughs> play <laughs> they Ocarina are, of Time. They are. The, oh, my gosh. If it, if it wasn't for all the Harry Potter parallels and Lord of the Rings parallels, I would think that George R. R. Martin was ripping off Zelda. I mean, think about it, the Great like Decky Tree. The, the, yeah, Come the on. tree with the head. I was going to say the tree with the face. Uh, but listen. You were thinking it was like Smurfs or Keebler Elves We've or something. We've gotten countless emails, and I say countless, probably like six, about, um, you know, the timelines that we always reference. Like, Martin's not ripping off Potter because this was written in like 1980 or something. You know, like, it, it really was. He's only was, ripping off Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he's only ripping off Lord of the but Rings. But in a good way. In a good way. It's no one's ripping off. It's part of storytelling. Part of being an artist is that there's a great fine line between, you know, imitation 
and innovation. And that's like the marriage you have to be and marriage you have to come to being an artist. So like the, just to be clear to everyone listening, like mm-hmm. we make these jokes because it's funny. Like we obviously love George R. R. Martin. We have a website and a podcast. So think about that. Yeah, absolutely. We just love the other stories too. And we like pointing out the parallels. Like there's a Samwise Gamgee in both stories. <laughs> yes, know? there Stuff is. Stuff like that. Neville but Longbottom. no, you're absolutely right. I mean, they do. They, the reason that we love them all is because they have these similarities. And I think that we can all agree that George R. R. Martin's universe is a lot different from Tolkien's and it's a lot in some ways more expansive and in some ways not you know very true which is great so we have our last chapter Eddard um or Nedard, as we so uh popularly like to categorize him here on this podcast and uh (laughs) we do he is uh he's a good guy and you know inside of my mind I like to think of Sean Bean is a very sort of Ned Stark sort of person in real life you know Mm. except when he's playing women Except when he's playing a girl, which we'll put a link at the show notes of that photograph. Hey, listen, yes. good actors, all, they always do that. do that at some point. Eric, you did it at one point, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty well, actually. It's also, I'm going to put a photo of that in the show notes. So it's two for one today, guys. Two for. They got a two for. We get to see uh, Ned. This is a little later on in the chapter, but we do get to see Ned, Father, Arya, but from his perspective. So I what? thought that was cool. because. After he leaves the chambers of the Maestro, oh. <laughs> isn't it? Yes. I, I heard it's that not, differently. Yeah, I did too. What, I did, heard, what I do you think? It. I heard what active. When he fathered Arya in the flashback. And, yeah, uh, active fathering. That? Yeah. There's a lot of sex. We didn't see that, though. Wow. No, I'm talking about being her dad, okay? But from We're the other sorry. perspective. So when he, when he walks up to her and she's trying to stand on one toe. Uh, and he's, like, having to deal with that. But, again, it's just so cool that he's gotten her these lessons. Which I think is is you know again it speaks to his character, but he's he's really playing the role of detective for the first you know for the most part of this chapter, kind of trying to get uh, clues out of um, you know Grandmaster Pycelle. And it's funny like reading that part because we know later like Pycelle is kind of an ass you know to Tyrion and all that, so it's it's funny just reading him here being all nice and stuff. But one thing that does happen that I think is is interesting is obviously that we learn the whole quote-unquote the seed is strong subplot Mm. which we talked about already before the show what like that was john aaron who said that as his final words and that was some crappy final words because like that doesn't mean anything like (laughs) come on (laughs) who how was anyone supposed to get anything from that uh, you could have said more useful things like uh, blonde is a recessive trait. Yeah, or like your son's not yours. <laughs> yeah, anybody notice that they the, the Lannisters, you know, they look like albinos, you know, exactly. Oh god. Yeah, that's exactly. Good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know mm. your wife and her brother? Yeah. Yeah. Like think about it. They're both they should both be on the cover of Team He people. was dying anyway. Who cares? That's like, true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you utter some kind of almost incoherent phrase that doesn't mean anything and have just have people read into it after you're gone? If I wasn't going to be frozen, <laughs> I would probably mutter something like, promise me, Ned, or something like... And the person next to you is like, who the hell is he talking to? I'm like, the only one here. Think, think about this for a second. Like, you're just hanging out. You're dying. Everyone that loves you is around you. And they're just like, man, it's going to suck to see you leave. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm dying. It's rough. And uh, <laughs> you just say something crazy like, can you smell what the rock is cooking? Mars is bright tonight. Yeah, Mars is bright tonight. Of. And then you're out. <laughs> yeah. You're out. 
Beautiful shit. I love it. Leave them wondering <laughs> for the next seven years. I walk away to go to the bathroom and come back to this. Well done, folks. <laughs> seed is strong. Seed We're is talking strong. about, um, well, at first, I guess, Pycelle talks to uh, Ned about his childhood or like when he was a young boy and there were all these smells in the air and the perfumes. Then he's like, uh, forgive me, I'm old. I've been doing this like 40 years. Uh, let's get back to talk. what you want to know Sorry. about. Yeah, but he's so, not that old. That was interesting. You know what I mean? He's got, the, like, his back, guys, he doesn't have scoliosis. He pretends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You guys have seen, I mean, we've all seen that episode where he cracks his back. I know you have, Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Wait, know what I'm after, about? after uh, his, his rigorous workout with uh, one of uh, Littlefinger's <laughs> I, prostitutes, yeah. I like this girl, Selena. You should bring her by more. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, he's just, doing his, uh, he's just doing his calisthenics for the day. Mm. I really want some of that milk, though. Like, yeah, I can't imagine do. it'll taste very good, but the way that they described it was like icy cold and that oh, sweet and yes. I was like, wow. I thought for a second like, you were talking about milk of the poppy, and I'm thinking, well, oh, what's no. <laughs> it's kind of the about it. there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's no, just, just this, like, it, like chocolate milk with black chocolate. Whenever I hear of exotic milk, I think of the blue milk in Star Wars. I, um, I think of the milk from the milk bar in, uh, in the George <laughs> Zelda. House. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, no, you're right. This was some crazy milk, right? They just kept going on about it. I listen. I don't. <laughs> I don't drink milk, and we're going on about it in just the same way. But damn it, I would love to sip on some of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And at this point, I was reading. I was at the end of the fifth chapter. I was like, I really want to go to sleep now. And it just kept bringing up the milk, and I was like, ah, oh, but I really want some milk. <laughs> <laughs> it you does the body good. Imagine putting some milk in like a road soda cup and just walking around with it. You should. Oh, no God. one would know that people, you people had like milk. some eggnog maybe around Christmas time. We have oh, Christmas uh, road soda. Damn it, I love eggnog. Damn it, I love it. Road the seed nog. is strong in eggnog. It's delicious. No, uh, sorry, guys. So speaking uh, of egg, eggnog, ed, oh, the seed is strong. Eggnog. Eggnog. <laughs> so Pycelle oh, keeps on talking to Ed, and he's like, "Listen, man, that guy who uh, smells really crazy, like the shit I was talking about before, don't trust him. Also, he's a eunuch. Did you know that? Um, and so, don't trust eunuchs, apparently. So he's bas- basically Edward's just hitting him up, and he's trying to." Uh, He's trying to, you know, get on to some of the stuff that John Aaron was doing. And finally, we get a little bit of the genealogy stuff come into the picture. And so I feel like as readers, as intuitive readers, we can kind of guess what comes next, right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much since we've already seen um, the queen and her brother. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Duh. You know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Doing this, <laughs> doing this dancing, doing cal- rigorous training exercises. Rigorous thank exercise. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing John Aaron died with his library card in his pocket. They could just look at the last book he checked out, you know, and be like, oh, I wonder what this is. Well, it's the clue. Cookies. This really um, was like very sort of mystery novel clue-esque. Like the seed is strong and, a, you know, a book on whatever. Like it would have been a really good mystery for the readers if we didn't already pretty much know yeah, that Joffrey right. was the son of uh, Jamie. I love it. I know that it was kind of spoiled, but damn it, George, that's fun. You know, it is. It is pretty fun. Way to way yeah. to pull a BSG and just pull like seven different genres into one story. That's neat. Even though this came first, I hope we don't get an email about that. I realize. You know, uh, this. <laughs> speaking of that too, like bringing real world uh, things. Like I've heard before in in like maybe it's I watch true crime too too you know too often, but I've heard before that like poison really is like when a woman kills somebody, you know, they're more likely to use poison. Than blunt force. And I think that's chapter, sexist. What? Sorry. 
I think that's sexist. <laughs> no, do you, do you? But no, it's like it's actually proven. Like it's actual fact. It's it's facts. Like, what you can do about facts? If Selena. I was ever, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> no, no. But I'm just saying, like, it was interesting to hear Ned say that because he's like, oh, you know, I hear I heard somewhere that uh, poison is a woman's device for murder. So what do you think about that, Master Bicell? And he was like, yeah, women and eunuchs. But still, like, it, it's it's there's something elegant about a poison. It's 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 passive. It's it's. You know, it'll still kill you, but it's not... Passive-aggressive is what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm not saying women are more passive-aggressive at all. I'm saying, (laughs) you know, documented cases... Erica's sexist, Selena. Poison is is a method for the, the types of sensibilities that historically, I think, have been women. And so it was so interesting to see it in this book. At the end of this chapter, we kind of have the uh, the famous scene that happens in the first series, and um, we finally get to come upon it in, uh, in the book here. And that's when Peter Baelish and Ned are having their little conversation, and he's confiding into Baelish sort of what he's discovered. And Baelish is like, listen, Ned, I'm going to help you out because you're with the chick that I want to be with. And he's like, okay, cool. And can I do this thing? <laughs> That's I like that. Well, will you help me with this thing? And he goes, sure. But here's what you got to do. Don't go yourself and ask about, you know, don't go interrogate this person. Don't call on the squire yourself. Like, send someone else to do it. And make sure that it's someone you trust. And Ned's like thinking about whether or not he should trust Baelish because Baelish even just brings up the word trust himself. It's not like Baelish was trying to be secretive at all. He was like, listen, you need to make sure you trust this person. And Ned's like, well, hey, can I trust you? Because I probably don't trust you. And Baelish is like, listen, man, not trusting me was your best move when you got here. So don't Mm -hmm. so don't do that. And obviously I'm bastardizing the words a little bit, but uh, it's just funny when you think about it in a literal sense, because we got it in the show and it was like a big quote. And I feel like we would have been doing the podcast back then. Like, think about all four of us would have been like, this is the owner of the week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a fantastic quote. And it's sort of, it, it puts, you know, Baelish sort of, it's it's him in a nutshell. He is a sleazy, creepy Sleep, you know, sleazy guy, but he at the same time he has this honesty about him where he's like very upfront about this is who I am. You shouldn't trust me. That's stupid. That's a very likable <laughs> you know? characteristic in a character because though. I am gonna, you know, put a knife in your back at some point. It's uh, we 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 have to come to the realization that there are many moments when he's writing in his home or wherever it is that he writes that he's putting pen to paper or whichever device he uses to transcribe his thoughts. And he runs into many different moments where he's just giggling to himself. Like, yeah. like Haha, this is good. Yeah, like and the fans like, are going to hate this. Well, I guess this is the portion of the show where we uh, gradually transition into our owns of the week. And this is, uh, this is actually, Laura, you're, guys, is she our first ever guest on this program? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Wow, well, Laura, I'm honored. That's quietly. amazing. Holy cow! You, I didn't realize that. You got a lot that. of pressure. A lot of pressure, Laura. A lot of pressure. So I have to pick my own of the week here, as I'm like yeah. frantically like scrolling on my Kindle Fire so I can get it right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's I, I got to go with Tyrion. You know, Tyrion is just you. You know, he's. I mean, if there's going to be an own, it's going to be Tyrion because he's he's just he's just the wordsmith. I think for me was uh the bit where he tells um 
Alistair Thorne that, you know, there, there's no man that, you know, you, you're nothing if, if you can't laugh at yourself every once in a while. And if you're just right. taking things so personally that you can't laugh at yourself, then you've got a bigger problem than all of us. Do you want the exact line? That would be awesome because I, I am scrolling my on own. my Kindle Fire <laughs> and I can't find it right now. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. well. Tyrion says, we all need to be mocked from time to time, Lord Mormont, lest we start to take ourselves too seriously. You tweeted that, actually. Yeah. I did tweet that. I is did that, tweet that because I thought it was so true. Is that your own and as I just, well? It was my own of the week. Yeah, I, I, I invited everyone to, to laugh at me on Twitter and laugh at each other, and we should all laugh in a circle at this each other. This big circle of laughs. That'd be great. Yeah, so that's, that, that's my pick. That's definitely my pick right there. Well, you did well. Solid choice. Eric, it kind of comes down to you and I now, unless Selena wants to repeat hers. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do have another one, which I, I do want to bring up as well. I kind of did already in the discussion. I love this one because I felt like, as we talked about, it it seemed to foreshadow. But even if it didn't, it was still just a brilliant characterization. And it's Maester Aemon who says, I think that Lord Tyrion is quite a large man. I think he is a giant come among us here at the end of the world. And yeah. I think that's great because Eamon said it. I think it's great because they are literally at the end of the world. But also, it's sort of a, it's sort of a, an idea of you know this is the first book. This is when the downfall begins. This is when the world ends, yeah. and maybe no, I, I, Tyrion solid. will, besides, besides his you know small stature, he will actually rise up to mean something really important. Right. Even a small man can cast a large shadow. Yes, exactly. Now I'm just thinking of. It's not Hogwarts without you, Hagrid, and like hugging the giant. <laughs> oh. But it, it's not Winterfell yeah. without you, Tyrion. It's not the wall without you, Tyrion. Oh, that's, that's, it's exactly like that. That's rich. Then he hugs him. That's but uh, rich. my my own of the week is actually a fail. Um, kind of, if I can invert my own. Um, it's it's basically okay. So Tyrion's involved. It's when he gives the um. The schematics, I want to say, the drawing of the saddle to Master Lewin, and the quote is, Master Lewin took the paper from the dwarf's hand, curious as a small gray squirrel. He unrolled it, studied it, quote, I see. You draw nicely, my lord. Yes, this ought to work. I should have thought of this myself. Give the dwarf some credit, man. Yeah. You no, didn't he... think of this yourself. You're he... the guy who's like with Bran every single day, and you know, obviously he's preoccupied, but... Um, it's just so fascinating that this outsider, this Tyrion, can come and draw this thing that's going to work and is going to be the way that Bran can stop feeling so damn sorry for himself. Um, you know, Master Lewin's like, I should have thought of this myself. That's cool. So. It gives such a good perspective on Tyrion's character again because, first off, it's saying that he's smart and it's saying that he's, like, bountiful and good on the inside. Yeah. Which is great. And, you know, he did give him a little bit of props in that moment. It's like he, he got stumped. You know how that goes. It just yeah. feel, It's just like, oh, man. All right. Well, I guess I guess I'll give you guys mine. Um, I have to warn you ahead of time. This is, uh, well, this is a big one. It's like, you know, and, and you guys have had him in the past, and mine are usually really shallow. But this is one that, like, could paint toward the end of the story big. That I feel like you guys kind of looked over. Are you guys ready? Laura, lay it on you, us. Here, let's hear it. <laughs> can you hold on to something where you are? Can you just hold on? I'm, I'm just, gripping. I'm gripping. <laughs> uh, Eric, can you grip onto the shirt hanging behind you? Just grip it tightly with your uh, fingers. Which one, the fishnet? Yeah, I just grip onto that one. Selena, right, you, you, I don't even have to tell I you. I am you gripping know what to do. my faux leather chair. Okay, good. Ready. Okay, guys. So, um, I'm just gonna read it direct from the book. No BS. 
Um, Sir Alistair Thorne walked from the room so stiffly, it looked as though he had a dagger up his butt. <laughs> I myself if I didn't have a good grip. I'm really glad I was holding on to something. <laughs> so that's how we did here that's in Game good. of Thrones. I can't believe he used the word butt in the series. That's why I thought it was awesome. He separated himself. <laughs> no. he, he was like, listen, guys, I'm going to use this line. He, yeah. he he has so many moments where he just says, "Forget that I'm writing a book." It's like it's like David Foster, Foster Wallace. Like he's like, "I'm just going to put my own self into the pages." It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, and it's funny from from a guy who you know would usually you know speak in this flourishing, rich language, you know, and then he's just like, "Yeah." Just compare the, <laughs> the exposition about the milk they were drinking to this line. All right, exactly. and that's why it's the own of the week. So on Game of Bones, we uh, every week we gather yeah. our thoughts and we talk about what the coolest thing of the week is that we decided to talk about, whether it's reviewing the show or reviewing parts of the book like we are now, chapter by chapter with all of you guys on the internet and through Twitters and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, these are our owns and we, we invite you to uh, send them into us and over Twitter or whatever, or on Facebook, join the conversation. And I think that, you know, it's been fun in the comment sections of the posts on the respectable websites and brand new development in their respective forums. But before we get to all of that, there is an email that I feel like we have to read. Uh, this, this email is from Johanna. Uh, she says, hi. I just want to begin with thanking you guys for this podcast. It's truly fantastic to listen to when working. Anyways, I know that you've discussed the fact that Martin is a huge Tolkien fanboy and has been inspired by his works, but I don't know if you've mentioned the fun fact that Frodo's Whoa. father was Whoa. called Drogo, <laughs> a clear <laughs> evidence of his fanboyness. Keep up the good work in DFTBA. Johanna, a true sweet. This is one of your friends. This is, and as we would say in Sweden, Johanna. Johanna. I believe Johanna. <laughs> Johanna's writing. Thank you. Johanna. Johanna. She's like, I feel, <laughs> I'm so Swedish. How many people, LeakyCon, Selena, <laughs> thought you were cast? really Swedish? How many? All of them, right? All of them. Thank but you. But if I keep speaking, speaking Swedish, I'm sure because my my accent, mean accent, no, I can't do it. Literally everyone. <laughs> well, guys. Sweden, Denmark, Finland, it's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. Norway, whatever, you know. I'll, I'll be from them all. Sucked it up there Everybody near the Arctic Circle. Everybody she was from <laughs> Sweden. Someone was so nice to me. They said I could be an honor or Swede. And it like made me happy. So well, Johanna, I have embraced the Swedishness now on Twitter or in another email. If you embrace Selena as a true Swede like yourself, yay! So she says, "Keep up the work in DFTBA," which is don't forget to be awesome. And gosh oh. darn it, it's been so good having you on the show, Laura. So you please DFTBA, right? Just just push <laughs> push some of your awesomeness from Who Hype and all the other things that you do with Hypeable. Just push it on top of us and let us keep it for two or three more episodes, please. I'll, please. I'll do Yay! it. There you go. I'll, I'll let you have it. You can take it. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's been, been great, guys. I really really enjoyed this. I, I love being on your program. I like I said, I'm a big fan of the series and your show. So it was really cool when Selena asked me if I could be on. I, I, I feel like I should say as well, because we haven't said it at all, that me and Laura are actually on a podcast together, another oh, one. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Um, which we need to start plugging that, because we keep forgetting. Um, it is called Onceable, and it is Hypeable's Once Upon a Time podcast. Well, Eric and I are friends in real life, guys. So. No, well, me and Laura have met, too, so <laughs> whatever. That's right. <laughs> well, Eric Eric and I have more than met, right, Eric? In Europe. Uh, oh, in Europe? Well, Eric and I have never hung mm-hmm. out in Europe, unfortunately. No, we oh. haven't hung out in Europe, but hey, maybe next year during Leaky. Maybe. Oh, well, definitely next year during Leaky, right? 
Yeah. So if you want to join the ranks of Johanna, shoot us an email, have it read on the show, maybe crack some jokes in one of our directions. Um, you can do that just by shooting an email to contact at gameofowns.com, which is the email address. I just want to say, give a shout out to hypable.com, which is where Selena and I spend an awful lot of our time. We've got uh, all kinds of fandom news on everything from Doctor Who to uh, Game of Thrones to movies, whatever whatever you like, we're probably covering covering it and we've got a series of podcasts some newly launched fan forums and uh, a great uh, yeah yeah yeah. and a uh, great system called uh, the fandom hub where we have lots of uh, collected facts on each fandom so if you need to quick reference something uh Check out Hypables Fandom Hubs. Good place to be. Awesome. And yeah, definitely come Very check cool. out our forums. I, contrary to popular belief, I have nothing at all to do with the running of these forums, but I have not been this excited since I believe 2007 when I was last on one. Oh, I thought God. forums were dead. I was wrong. This is the coolest forum in the whole world. Um, and I love it. And I'm there all the time. And it's embarrassing because I have work to do. But what, whatever. So come hang out with me <laughs> and the other people. You can also uh, find us, Game of Owns, on Facebook at um, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Twitter handle is Game of Owns. And our website is www.gameofowns.com. Twitter is the place where you can send those ill-ridden, thought-filled messages at the middle of the night or the beginning of the morning, as we've seen all over from such dedicated listeners, and it's a, it's a real treat reading some of those. But they're, uh, no, no, your, your tweets are full of joy and kindness, and sometimes they're more hilarious than anything that we've ever said on the show. And they also help give us material for things that we do say on the show. So keep those filing in at a, at a steady pace, and don't forget to tell your friends. If they're fans of the, of the actual series, or if you think that they would be a fan of the TV show, first wean them in with some sweet, delicious milk uh, from your own body to watch the television show first. Wow. And then if they like, like the television show, they themselves can maybe listen to Game of Owns and everyone can tell jokes together and listen to Laura tell jokes about things that are on the show and when, when she decides to be a guest. <laughs> and and now we will uh, transition smoothly and slowly into a certain little thing that um, our one of our hosts, Micah Tannenbaum, would like to say to you guys about our iTunes section. Should we let Micah take it away, guys? Sure. I think so. It's about time. And, of course, we always appreciate your five-star rate and reviews on iTunes. If for any reason this week you decide not to give us five stars, we will, of course, have to have you go ahead and show Sir Ilan Payne what it's like to have a tongue again. And uh, you can figure out for yourself. It's like, that say means. something awkward. Depends on what he said. <laughs> if it was funny, I'm going to laugh. It wasn't funny. Mike, how could you say such horrible things? <laughs> well, it was very. Massive inappropriate laughter following whatever <laughs> yes. it is. I love that you listen. Is listened. it because we've lost our five star rating? Has that happened? <laughs> no, no, it hasn't happened yet. But it know. may, if, unless Mike's threat was strong enough. You know, hey, you could get trolls from another podcast deliberately dumping you down. You never know. I know where we can find them, guys. Like we All do. the trolls yes. are inside of the dungeon. That's where they're hiding. Trolls live with us. I'm Zach Lee. I'm New York Skull. I'm Selena Wilkin. And I'm Laura Byrne Cristiano. Your name is cooler than ours. 